Hi and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth. This is our annual trip to InfoSec where we get to talk to the best, most influential people in the cybersecurity industry. Sit back and enjoy the next few weeks of our brilliant coverage from this fantastic event. Okay, hi and welcome to quite a special Arrow Bandwidth. This is going to be the first one that we'll do and the only, if I'm brutally honest with you. What, um, what about the other 89? <laughs> Let me finish the trope. Sorry, sorry. That is a, a round table discussion. So everything else has been very vendor centric, but what we wanted to do was was basically get a couple of our best vendors in to just have a bit of a discussion about a really topical subject that I don't feel enough people are honest about, if I'm brutally honest with you. So what we're gonna try and talk about is is GDPR. Now mm. I know I appreciate loads of people will be bored to death of hearing about GDPR. We've passed the twenty fifth of May now. So everyone's ready. Everyone's done. It's finished, right? Don't be. Don't no. let us become strangers. Stay but, this in is, touch. but this is not the Millennium Bug. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is not something that had a complete full dead day and then moving forward. My personal opinion is that we are so fantastically ill prepared still for for what it, what it is and what it means, and also a lot of organisations are kidding themselves into thinking that they they're ready. Because the reality is that being ready is not just about there or there. It's about continuous sort of understanding of what it means. But it's also about fundamentally, you know, preparing and continually educating all your staff, make sure your system... There's a thousand and one things. So to talk about this subject, I've got my elegant co-host, as always, Mr. Rich Holmes. Hello. But I've also got... Oh, Rick McElroy, Carbon Black. <laughs> after after what your voice did to, uh, yeah, to the ladies talk, yeah. earlier on, I'm out. not going to introduce for you. And and Nigel Hawthorne from McAfee. Fantastic. So, guys, GDPR, where are we today? Well, if you don't mind me starting, I'd in. like to sort of echo what you said, but use a little analogy about driving. So, if you've been trained to be a driver and you've been through a driving test, then May the 25th was our driving test. We passed, <laughs> but for the rest of our lives, forever, we need to drive with care and consideration for other road users. And with GDPR, we need to travel around as if we've got the most expensive cargo, individuals' data in the back of our cars, until the world ends. This is not an end point. This is the beginning of your driving life, and it's the beginning of your GDPR compliance. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, and actually that. what I'd probably uh, prob probably add to there is a lot of people have basically are driving cars illegally right now. Um, a lot of people... Negligently. Negligently, yes. <laughs> but Slightly it, better. Okay, there's, there's a bit of joyriding going on. It's my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like sure. I love that um, joyriding. A lot of people are joyriding. Yeah. Yep. Nigel, would you, would you agree? Yeah, but I, I'll also say we don't necessarily need to panic. I was asked by a small corner shop to help them with their GDPR the other day because they said, haven't you written a book? And I said, don't panic about this. And I think that we've got to realize that, it, let's carry on with the driving analogy. If you're driving at <laughs> 90 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour limit, you are going to be caught, you're going to be watched, someone's going to throw the book at you. If you're driving at 31, mm. then, okay, it's not right. You need yeah. to improve. But what we need to do is to be constantly trying to get better at what we do, but not realize or not think that um, we need to throw everything away and start again. Yeah. Yeah. It's re it, you know, I think much like anything else, it's a program that needs to be managed. 
right? Yeah. So, so there is no way you can tell me you have the most mature program on the day something starts. God, no. Right? God, no. Uh, so, so you know, look, we've been through a number of different regulations in the States. Uh, and I, you know, I was a CISO at the time, right? Or, or running a security program. And, you know, they had impacts from everything from, from resources that you didn't think would be involved in things and, and you know, having to hire people uh, for internal audits and external, right? And all, all of these good practices that it takes to say, hey, I am being, like, I'm, I'm providing due care for this data uh, and I'm doing the right things in my program, right? So, so I think, yeah, anybody that's out there that's like, we're done, I think you're kind of fooling yourself. Um, I think the practices that it brings to bear, right? So, so one of the things that, we spent a lot of time talking to CISOs last year when I was over. Um, and what I heard resoundingly was, if you had a mature security program, you cared about GDPR, but yeah. the workload wasn't that heavy. I think what it shook out is a lot of programs out there um, that weren't that mature, right? So they didn't have data owners. They, they, they couldn't uh, detect a, a, a breach or report it within a certain Who's amount of time. Who's responsible for this set of data Correct. over here? Yeah. Correct. Somebody yeah. has to be, like, somebody's got to be responsible. And, so, and it's yeah. not just that, it's not just who's responsible for this data, because I think that to the IT industry, to, to the IT department in an organization says, well, I'm responsible for the, this storage array. Correct. That's what people, that's the immediate sort of ramification of, of the word data. But it's nothing to do with the security or the availability of that data. It's to do with the privacy of that data. And I think yep. this is one of the single biggest misconceptions. I've had this misconception from all the way, you know, from Fortune 500 companies all the way down to... Uh, Please tell me a corner shop, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> not a corner shop, actually a dance company. Um, right. <laughs> I swear Ooh, my, 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 my daughter's dance and, and they, the lady was considerably worried about how she was going to, because obviously she's got a lot of personal identifiable data. Yeah. And I just said, look, there's some really good services out there, as, you know, software as a service where you can go and, and it'll take care of everything. Don't worry about it. But for the enterprises, it's really, really worrying that even they were quite confused, bewildered. And I'm not gonna lie, as soon as GDPR got announced, the first thing I thought was, this is just the con artist sort of, oh, oh I'll sort it for you, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll sort your GDPR out. No I mean, worries. come and do an assessment. Oh, yeah, Remember, everybody you was could, an expert immediately. You gotta buy some boxes. Yeah, yeah. I, can I can get you GDPR certified, no yeah. worries. I'll give you just, those things, oh my god! Literally, I could see it from a mile off. It was it was the next millennium bug. Yep. Can, I, can I can I? It might be a little bit too early to throw this curveball in, but I'm going to pull it back a little bit because you talked about privacy. Uh, I'd be really interested, Rick, actually, what you think to this, right? So, it is fundamentally GDPR is there to protect the individual, and it's a reset. It's not a reset from the Privacy Acts or any previous legislations. It's a reset in the psyche of us all. That something that we have always assumed, we give it away and it has no intrinsic value. Information about ourselves. To get access to services, social media services, um, loyalty schemes, we have had to give our information out. And we've also had to scroll through umpteen pages of T's and C's, which we never read, yeah. to take a click to accept box, to download the app or, or get access to that service. Yeah. Fundamentally, that changes with GDPR. Whether we live in Europe or we're a European citizen, it's on everybody's radar now. 
and moving forward, the millennials of tomorrow, my kids, I have two girls, eight and 12, they will now grow up in a world where they own their data and they recognize that that data has value. Now, any business interacting with somebody who gets this new concept that this is mine and it has some worth, guess what? You're right, it's not. This isn't a, just a regulation to put a tick in a box from an audit perspective from. You're dealing with informed people that are going to come to you. And whether or not there's an issue or a problem or you're getting spam mail, anybody's liable to turn around internally or externally and say, can I just ask, what are you doing with my information? That's not a worst case scenario, that's where we're at today. All that's gonna happen is that people will become more educated on the value of their information, what privacy means. Because we have for too long been negligent, uninterested, basically not cared because I want that shiny thing, how do I get that shiny thing, that service, that will help me, that hail riding app, that booking a cinema seat, I just gotta get through this stuff to get to that. Now, this stuff thing, actually, you know what? I wanna know what this stuff thing is because there's a massive difference between legitimate use of my information and doing what the hell you want with it. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, I think that we've oh, gotta yeah. remember that actually GDPR is there because we, especially sales and marketing people, have treated data as if it's of no value. We've gathered whatever we can from anyone. We've kept it forever. Yep. Um, and uh, this has woken us up. I've, I've been a bit disappointed in the last week or so with some of the articles that have been written from the point of view of this is a burden, this is a terrible thing, um, what are the Europeans <laughs> doing, they're all crazy. That must all be from America, is it all from us? Wittgenstein. Uh, maybe, yeah, but probably. you know, I think honestly, it is actually just telling us what we should be doing um, anyway, and I've always treated it as if, if you were to lend me your car for the weekend, nice car, thank you very much, and then I was to lend it to you, and you crashed it, I could hardly go back to you and say, well, it's not me, it's his fault. But with data, we felt that we could give it to anybody and then we could say, oh, the third party lost it. It's not my fault, it's someone else's. And I think it's very good that you know, the data keeps its ownership wherever it goes and you yeah. are responsible if you have touched it in anywhere that it may go. And I think that honestly, sadly, we need this because especially us in sales and marketing have been treating it with disrespect Couldn't until now. Yeah. I think there may uh, be another impact too, right? So, so one of the things I've talked to people, uh, people are purging data. They're, they're realizing, like, why are we collecting this? You know, it was one of my first questions when I built a program for a company, <laughs> is like, what data are we, should, do we have to keep? Yeah. Like, and look, we're under yeah. regs. Sometimes it's seven years, sometimes it's 15, whatever the regulations are, right? But companies kind of do this uh, digital hoarding, as mm -hmm. I call it, right? Yep. And it's really easy to, because you just buy more disks and uh, you know, no one ever sees it, right? Yeah. And storage grows and grows and grows. And, and you know, uh, and so you're dragging all this stuff around. So, so I think it's a good opportunity for companies out there to really look at like, what's the correct amount of data we need to collect and, and maybe start to cull out some yeah. of these other things, right? And I think, look, 
I, I hugely respect what you guys have done. I'm a huge privacy advocate, and in America, you know, we've prioritized security over privacy, right? So I hope uh, for American citizens this has an impact uh, for our data as well, because I think we've seen on a macro level, forget that my data could be leveraged for a credit card attack, right? Like it can also be leveraged for propaganda purposes and to yeah. sway an entire populace to do things. <laughs> right? Let's not go there. Let's not go there. To do things, right? Yeah. So, so, so I think uh, the number of calls I got that day <laughs> when it was confirmed from family members, my mother-in-law, you know, uh, it w was insane. Like, and they and everybody was like, yo. And so, for finally, people started asking the right questions. Yeah. And and yeah. so this idea that we're more educated as consumers. Um, and we're demanding companies do the right thing, mm. right? That's, that's what this represents for me is like you're demanding yeah. and legislating that you, you do the things or you're going to be punitively punished. And the thing I really like about what you did is there's teeth to it because we have regulations where it's like, yeah, but then there's no teeth. Yeah. Like I've seen PCI environments get breached and Visa and MasterCard never turned off their ability to process credit cards, right? Which is supposed to be. Uh, the stick that comes with that, right? It's, it's never happened. No. So, so, so yeah, at some point, uh, we try to carrot people and, and, and do all the right things, but at some point, a leg, you know, a, a judiciary has got to get in there and... Yeah, so I think damage. the teeth thing will be interesting. You said before we started that it'll be interesting to see how things fall out. So, yeah, there's potentially large fines, but I think actually two other things could be even more important. One is the regulator can tell you you must stop processing. Mm. Yeah. And then secondly, the fact that you need to go public about your data breaches to the data subject. And we've seen with various different companies that have been forced to go public, they've lost sales, they've lost revenue. Some of them have had to go and be acquired by someone else. And I think they could even be bigger mm. than the fines. And again, un you know, it may sound uncomfortable to hear this, but I think in the end, if you're treating data um, incredibly badly, then that's fair. Right? Can I can I put my um, clandestine hat on? Yes. Not my clan. My my my, <laughs> my sort of uh, your grey hat, dark hat on. Mm. Now, one of one of the once again, the first thing that sprung into my mind when GDPR was announced was that this was going to be an opportunity for loads of dodgy consultancies, and there are a lot of good ones, by the way. A lot of good ones, but anyone who says you can, I can certify you GDPR. I can sell you technology to fix your GDPR. Run a mile. Run a mile. Well, there is listeners. no there is no certification. There is no, and there is no one technology solution that will solve everything nope. at all. So, but the next thing that came to my mind was, ah, oh, so May 2018 coincides quite neatly with December 2017. Do you know what December 2017 was the end of? And this may not mean a lot to you, Rick, but in the UK, we've had this thing called PPI, Payment Protection Insurance. And it has been one of the biggest cons going, right? So literally, loads of organizations sprang up around, we'll help you to claim, because basically the banks were found guilty of basically mis charging, mis-selling payment protection insurance. Yeah. Okay. So basically, all of the banks got absolutely hammered by these little companies that started up and said, no win, no fee, we will get you payment protection insurance back. And it was thousands of pounds back to the consumers, okay? Where are we on organizations that were doing that now pivoting their business models towards what, da what data is being held about you you don't know? Mm. How could, and, and basically going to an organization that you know hasn't got their acting gear around GDPR and saying, we want the information of these hundred people 
and we want it in 72 hours or we will we will go and say that you have not done this and and then uh, go no, let's, let's, let's be really careful. Let's be really careful, right? A yeah. uh, couple of things. Well, no, Nigel's an expert, so I'm hoping <laughs> oh, Nigel can, can either... Because I'm, I'm being a yep. little bit facetious here, but I'm also being a little bit... Could this be something that we see going on? And then essentially settling and saying, I tell you what, you give us 10 grand a client and we won't report you. Mm, yeah, I'm, I don't know if it'd be quite as, as bad as that. Obviously, there are privacy campaigners who... Uh, I think one second after midnight on <laughs> December the uh, sorry on uh, May the twenty fifth <laughs> went out and started sending subject access requests, which yes. is please give me all the data that you've got on me. Now the organisations have thirty days to yeah. comply, um, and let's see what happens on June the twenty fifth. But um, I think that if you then don't comply, they need to go to the regulator. I don't think we're necessarily going to see. Um, immediate large court cases and class action lawsuits yeah. that GDPR isn't a revolution it's an evolution of the Data Protection Act in the UK from 1998 and the um, uh, directive from the EU from 1995 and there have been regulators that have been um, dealing with that since then mm. and in the UK you go to the Information Commissioner's office if you have a complaint they investigate it and they will then issue a statement to the company involved, which may well just be, please improve your processes. Okay. It may include a fine, it may not. It depends on the circumstances. And I think up until now, they've proven to be very good at looking at the, um, the systems, the education that a company has in place, how big a breach was, um, how important it was, and then make an appropriate judgment based on that. Mm. Um, I'm not convinced there's going to be a lot of money for some third-party shady company to come in and say, okay. I can work on your behalf and take 20% of the money. Um, that's I hope good not, to know. No, that's good to know. I don't want to be there, really. Well, um, no, and then this is exactly... I mean, I must admit, it was one of these, these things that came out of a conversation with a few guys when we were like, Ooh, could that be a reality? Mm. I, think, I think there's a lot of... I mean, there's so many articles. There's 99 articles in, in, um, yep. in the regulation. Um, so it's... And, and it covers everything from, from business process through two elements of, you know, you could directly link to deploying technology, but, yeah, let, let's think of it as an all-encompassing piece. Um, th there's a lot of things within those 99 different articles or, 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 or rules. And, yeah, I, I think... Even looking at it, uh, eighteen months, two years ago, two years ago, starting to think, well, what's this thing coming? It only took me till there you go, September, October last year. I realised that, you know, hidden away, there is there is an element about um, an individual claiming damages. Yeah. yeah, but a lot of every, a lot of the. The hype, the propaganda, the education around GDPR has been has been aimed very much at the organisation that's been found to be within breach. So I, I don't know if people have have, have twigged yet, have you know, have grasped the concept that it's going to be the next PPI or if it's got the potential to be a PPI. Because again, you've probably got you look at in the UK, yeah, the regulators, the ICO, right? And if you go to the ICO's website we can see previous actions and fines. So from an organization perspective, there's 
probably something that you can look at and say, well, you know what, the regulations moved the fine goalposts on, but we can see comparatively what what past action's been taken. At an individual level, we have nothing. You don't know whether or not it's going to be £10, 10p, £10,000. But I think, again, what you were saying, Nigel, and, and you, Rick, as well, it's it's like, well, yeah, what what's the nature of the breach? Is it is it that somebody's left a left a laptop on a train? Is it that you know there's there's been a breach and you know your your bank details have been stolen and you you know your banking history for the last twelve months and you know what is it? Is it just statements? Is it yeah your account number and sort code? Is it pin details? Is it something? Yeah, how how impactful is that data that's been stolen? And I think that's where we're in the big unknown at the minute. We are, and I don't know if you've got a comment, but uh, there are two court cases that actually have been running already. Um, uh, one that hasn't finished, which is the Morrison's data loss instance. So Morrison's a big uh, retailer here in the UK. Um, a contractor was working, took the uh, details of employees and their salaries, put it up on um, Dropbox, and then sent a link to a local newspaper saying, hey, look at this, why not publish it? Now, he's currently in prison. But the company has been investigated by the ICO for allowing one, that person to be able to see all that data, two, to be able to then um, uh, transfer it out. And there's a class action lawsuit on behalf of the employees. Now, the class action lawsuit hasn't finished. And the question is, what will be considered proportionate for the distress, even if no financial loss? Um, and the other one is about cookies on um, Safari, which I don't think yeah. is finished yet either. Um, but I don't think anyone's expecting that all of a sudden, because um, simple information is lost for an individual, that there's going to be a massive payout. Yeah. Um, uh, I, you know, so, so speaking of payouts, right, I, I went, uh, y- you know, you see things like Yahoo and, and you know, millions of dollars. If you actually break those numbers down, because I've gotten a few of these checks, Right from Wells Fargo and Verizon and stuff, it was like five dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> like there was millions of people in the class action, a right. whole bunch awesome. of law firms got paid, and then as an individual, like, um, and, and so I think to your earlier point, as consumers and individuals, we have very few tools to manage our data. Yes. So I think you'll see some vendors pop up in that space to help consumers, right? Uh, get that information out there, uh, do all that type of stuff. But but yeah, so so the, how negligent were you? I think is a, is a factor in a lot of these things. Uh, some organizations have shown over time uh, that they they've simply gaffed a lot of stuff off. Uh, you know, Yahoo comes to mind. <laughs> it's one of those where it's like, hey, y- it wasn't just that you were ne- you were negligent year over year, right? Yeah, and, and yeah, so yeah, that yeah. had continuous. Yeah, and and they got hit with a way larger stick than a lot of other organizations <laughs> who said, look, we have a security management program. You know, we, we have an internal audit program and we just miss something. Like yeah. courts understand that. Like as long, it, you know, in the states, if you're doing uh, a commiserate level of security with peers in your end, like that's taken into account, right? Um, so so you, they don't demand that you have the best security or privacy program. They just demand that you're not negligent about it. You're managing yeah. it, right? And trying right. to do the right things. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. Well, I must admit, this has been an absolutely awesome conversation. And I learn stuff. So um, any conversation I learn things is awesome. And most importantly, no, not most important, but <laughs> almost most importantly. <laughs> Nigel, any shameless plugs? Well, <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, well, come funnily on. enough, yeah. so this book, which I started writing two years ago, now on version three, um, 
the GDPR on action guide for IT. I would say most people, hopefully, Just in large organizations, don't need it anymore. You don't need this. But if you do want to read more, the book is split into two halves. The first half is these are the 99 um, uh, chapters of the regulation and what they mean. But the second half is now what do I do about it? And I think that um, if it's useful, great, go and download it. It is free from the um, Sky High Network's website. Um, I would say if I was writing this now, I would probably place more emphasis on privacy by design and default mm. and documentation. Love that. Um, and I don't design. think I did enough on those three areas, but honestly, I'm not writing it again. No, thank you. Uh, I might ask for a signed copy. That's <laughs> just because I'm a geek. Look, guys. Thank you so much for making the time to come talk to us. Yeah, I know we've been always a good time. No, absolute pleasure. No problem. Thank it was you. great. And yeah, we shall uh, catch up soon. Cheers. Cheers, Thank guys. Thank you very Bye. much. Thank you for listening to this security special from InfoSec. We hope you've enjoyed the last few weeks of this fantastic coverage. And stay tuned for more brilliant podcasts from the Bandwidth family. Speak soon.